moving, body moving, body moving, we be body moving, body moving, body moving, body moving, we be body moving. Welcome back into the great Scott show pro Nola segment starting now. Maybe he's, maybe he's body moving. I think he might be at the gym, maybe working out. He's got a lot of balls. He's juggling a lot of things in his life, but he always makes time for us. And we really appreciate it. Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent for the pro Nola segment. Boy, we got a little bit, rather a lot to dig into today. Gus, good morning, man. How's it going? Doing well, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay, brother. Let's uh, let's let's start let's start with the Pels, and then we'll get to the Saints. Do you believe Zion? Do you believe Zion when he says, uh, "Per me, I want to be here. I love it here. We get along fine." Yeah. Um, I'll say what I said. The day that report came out was a Wednesday, Thursday, when the season ended, and the Athletic about them being unhappy. I said in today's day and age, you're taking as much time as it takes to unlock your phone, pull up the application, whether it's Instagram or Twitter, recorded a message, posted a post, selected an image to go with your post. That's how long it would have taken for him to clear it up. He cleared it up in September. Now, he at least said what he said, smartly avoid making it more of a distraction, but at the end of the day, his foot being broken is probably more of a distraction than the fact that whether or not he wants to be here or not. Um, Look, I do think, like in anything else, Scott, winning solves a lot of things, right? Um, I do also think that certain people either are happy or not. And whatever makes that person happy is what's going to make them happy. And I do think that Anthony Davis was fine for a while here. And I do think the more that he was around other people or he was around other places that saw, you know, success, different lifestyle, what it's like to live in L.A. in the offseason, it, it grows on you. I, look, I've said this repeatedly, Scott. In our line of work, I've been lucky to travel. And I view probably New Orleans or elsewhere probably differently than 90% of the people in this city. And, you know, I have had incredible meals. I have had incredible trips. I have enjoyed other cities. I like other cultures. I, I've enjoyed traveling and see a lot of benefits to not being here. There is, at the same time, a pull and a lore that makes New Orleans unique. Yep. And I get that as well. So you see it from both sides. I can understand players, you know, wanting to go somewhere else. I can also understand players that get here and never want to leave feel that attachment and are comfortable. It's whatever you want. If you like the limelight, the commercials, the glitzy clubs, you know, the million-dollar mansions on the mountainside overlooking the Pacific, you ain't getting that here. I mean, my water feature driving to work and home every day is 
the West Metairie Canal. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's, it's completely different. in Georgia with a deer on your morning walk, you know, and maybe it is up north door, but where I live, no. So I did it. Uh, so I know what can happen, how big he wants to be, or that I, like, look, I think if you're a Pels fan, you enjoyed hearing it. At the end of the day, if Willie Green can't turn this team into a winner, it's not going to matter. Um, there's way too many voices and people, I think, pulling at him. And what I've learned in the two, three years that he's been here, Scott, is that he is not the person that's making all of the decisions for himself. And until that starts to happen, it's going to be hard to gauge what is it that he really wants right now. Because right now what he wants is what a team of people want. And, you know, again, there's another step of maturity that needs to be taken. We will see this year if he's ready for that. I can tell you sitting down at media day on Monday, Brandon Ingram appears to have understood that. And he speaks different, sounds different, looks different. Uh, just little tidbit stuff, man, that you would pick up, you know, such as looking at you, you know, straight in the eyes, thought, thoughtfulness before answering the questions, um, self-respect, retrospect or, or self, you know, evaluating his performance or where he needs to go. Um, at least we saw energy, and at least we saw a, a sense of, hey, Fletcher, I'm glad you asked me that. You know, that, that, that's a step from the last couple of years where, quite honestly, it's one or two-word answers and everything. So I, I don't know, Scott, it's a long-winded way of saying, do I believe him? Well, he said it, so now it's out there. And when you preface it by, I'm glad you asked me that, he was ready for it and wanted it. Oh, yeah. So... You know, whether he was prepped for how he feels and believes, I don't know. We will see. But uh, I just, like I told you last week, I think you have to be respectful of Willie Green. You have to give him a chance. He's earned it. He's deserved it. And you have to see if that guy can do what he needs to do. And, and can and I add, week. you also have to mm-hmm. be respectful of the owner and the franchise because you've only played 85 games and you've been hurt a lot and you got hurt on your own, away from the team. Like, I mean, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. He didn't work out with the team. He he's didn't so, participate. He's so good, though. And I mean, when he's healthy, he's just such a unique and incredible talent. It's like you look at this franchise, Gus Caguillo, I guess, and you see an Ingram and you see a Zion, and it's still this franchise. And we know more about the succession plan now, and we'll get into that a little bit later this morning. But it, it's just – they have some pieces there, and yet I don't blame anyone that feels like they're just going to, well, they'll screw this up, or oh, they'll, they'll figure a way out of this. Or, you know, some some of the stuff against the franchise isn't fair, and some of it is their own doing. And it's a mixture of both, And but the reality is reality. And if you want to change it? Well, for one, you got to start winning. You have to. And when, when your big man and the face of your franchise has got a, a foot injury, Foot injuries and big men, it's not really a great history in the NBA. I mean, that's ominous. Like, there's, like, uh, while the, you know, we're talking about what Zion said, and I asked you, that's what I opened with, right? My biggest takeaway from Media Day was 
I mean, geez, what everyone else took away. Like, really? He's hurt? He's going to, you know, he, he's, he says he'll be ready by the regular season. Team doesn't commit to the answer of whether or not he'll be on a, a limit and do the burst thing again. And I'm just thinking long term, man, another injury. It's not like this is the old medical staff. You, you know, you're one of the leaders in the NBA last year in games, play, games lost by players due to injury. In the past, they were number one on that list. You know, you invest in a new training staff. So it, it's just it's ominous right now, man. I, I don't I'm going to be excited when when they tip off the season and. 20 days, right? And I'm going to be watching and I'm going to be following this franchise like always, but I am not feeling great about and may, maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need low expectations and then that's that's when they're finally going to do something special, but my expectation right now for this franchise is I'm just waiting for the next bad shoe to drop, if that makes sense. No, and look, I mean, it's an understandable way of thinking, Scott, because quite honestly that's how it's been. I mean, <laughs> You know, um, to take Zion's words from a year ago, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So I'm with you. And, you know, like I said, you have to give everybody a chance to see how it works. But that also means, to your point, you have to do it, right? You have to do it. I mean, the people we talked to on the show on Monday, Jackson Hayes worked on his game shooting through Brandon Ingram's Say, look, I have the talent about my energy. Do I want to do it? Am I willing to do it? I need to play better defense. I need to do this. So, I mean, if Zion does those things, he proves his game. And even David Griffin admitted, look, he's he has he has an issue. He's going to have to do it. And that is his weight. That is staying in shape. So, until that clicks, and that maturity clicks. To understand that it's every day and doing those things. Now, you know, he said Monday that he got hurt pushing himself too hard because he has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, that's an, that's that's just that is that is that was one hundred percent pre-planned, scripted all the way around. That was what can I say that's going to sound the best? Well, like I said, um, I'll say this: at the end of the day, I'm more about it. You know, this being. In, the last yet, man, with what Billy Napier has been able to do, right? One of his mottos he's built there is culture. And I, I'm more about can this franchise, can this team change its culture, build a culture. Scott, where at the end of the day, either you're on board or you're not. And it's going to be so apparent if you're a team guy or you're a guy that you should be built around or not. That's how I look at it. Um, I defended AD for years because I think a lot of those injuries were hustle plays. Um, he never got in trouble. He's never out. He wasn't like Chris Paul at the casino every night after a game. He was not that guy uh, you know, until the last two years. So, you know, again, he tried to get better. He worked to get better. He was the one that got Boogie Cousins here. So something changed, something happened. That could be a relationship. That could be understanding. Maybe you just got Maybe tired. Time to go. <laughs> Maybe you just get tired, yeah, look, you know? It's like, uh, that's what I'm saying. Look, he was in the second contract. And to your point that when you started this entire conversation, this guy's played 90 games, dude. Yeah. So I understand you have these quote-unquote historical numbers, but you can't defend the lick. You can't stay healthy. You're about 25 to 30 pounds overweight. You can't develop others. Oh, you don't have, as of yet, let's see, starting whenever he plays. Uh, 
more of an offensive game. He can't shoot with his right hand. He can't really routinely and consistently knock down jumpers. Can he do other things to help the team? Where is his leadership? Is he ready and willing to be the face of a franchise? That means getting into a teammate, challenging him, leading by example. And I brought up the Bucks to Trojan Langdon, David Griffin, and B.I. specifically on how Milwaukee won that championship because their two top players, the franchise player Giannis, and their second longest tenure player Middleton, decided to take over. And then that series, that finals, turned, Scott, as you remember, on an effort play by Giannis, on a defense play, the shot block, then the Drew Steele, then the Middleton three from the left wing. Those guys did. So we can have all these media members, bloggers, fans say, well, he needs help. You know what he needs to do? Zion needs to do it. He needs to lead as well. He needs to hit the big shot. He needs to defend. He needs to hit the jumper with 10 seconds left. He needs to stay he needs healthy. To make the play. He needs to stay well, healthy. No, I, well, know. that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. if we're starting there, Scott. Yeah, I'm not. I, I agree. Like, I'm putting some of that on him, like, in terms of the weight and other stuff. I, I'm, not, I'm not defending it. It's like, to do that stuff, you got to stay healthy. And all of this, Gus, and it's like, I, 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 he is just 21. I mean, it's, it's worth noting how young he is, but man. I, I don't. I, media day was look. The Pelicans. David Griffin is is he's good at the media game. Uh, there's questions as to whether or not he's still good at his job. I think many people right now would tell you he's not getting a passing grade. He can change that this season, but he's good at the media game and 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 you know how they went into that media day and how they came out of it and all that stuff. But they're going to tip off in 20 days, and they better start winning some games. They better be in the mix this year. And he can say whatever he wants about, no, there's no added pressure because we've always, we've always had pressure to win. No, that's, that's some palaver, okay? That's, that's, that's BS. There is added pressure. Year one, when you've got a new nucleus and a young guy that you just drafted is way different than year three when you've got your third coach in as many years, a disgruntled superstar, and an offseason where you said – well, you, you, you said to Adrian Wojnarowski, who reported it for you, that you wanted Kyle Lowry or you wanted Chris Paul or you made these offers and you didn't get any of the stuff that you really, truly wanted in free agency. Yeah, there's more pressure on you, Griff. You can say there's not. There is. They have to get something done this year, Gus. And middling around ninth or 10th in the West and then getting bounced in a, you know, one game playing game or, God forbid, not making the playoffs, that ain't going to cut it. There is pressure to do what they were supposed to do in his third year. By his, I'm talking about David Griffin, and that is to be a team playing in the playoffs and playing competitively in the playoffs. And if this arrow isn't trending upward in five months with this franchise, he's done. And and unfortunately, a lot of other stuff might be done. But it's 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 just that. It's those kind of vibes. It's that kind of season going in. Maybe, maybe that's what they need. I have no idea. But I am just, uh, like I said... I'm waiting for the uh, metaphorical shoe to drop and not the good one, and, and, and I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's the great one, but I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet any money on it. ESPN yeah, 1420. Like we'll see, man. Yep. Um, what takes place when they start getting here, it's hard to believe, literally just but three more days, man. Three more days, and they'll oh, wow. be in, Training camp, in Minnesota. Geez. And I'm looking forward to being game. back in the SKC. Great to be able to do 
media day and, and see everybody, I can say this, man. I think there's a legit reason for excitement, not like being a Cubs fan, as you know. And I'm just excited because it's the new year and hope. Sure, sure. Um, I, I think the roster has better shooting. I think they have more length and size. When you start to really see, and you'll see it Monday, Trey Murphy against uh, or standing next to the players that you've seen already, you'll really understand how tall and long he is. And three and D, baby, three and D, make it happen. Made and he has made an effort, and I mean an impression. I mean Brandon Ingram, when I talked to him Monday, said, "You know the guy that could really be the best shooting in the team is probably Trey Murphy." I mean, that's what he said. And he's like, "Look, we got shooters everywhere." And also, what I thought was interesting that he told me on Monday again. I, I, can you get the sense that I, I was most impressed by Brandon Ingram's interview? Uh, I uh, I was surprised when I asked him. What stood out in Nashville was the one thing that stood out, and he responded with, not on Herb. Herbert Jones, the second-round draft pick. Apparently, his two weeks in Nashville was so spectacular, that's the first thing that came out of his mind. Um, defensively, he just is a, apparently a lockdown defender on anybody and everybody on that team, and that was the phrase, not on Herb. So, again, hopefully you got some injection of youth. Talent, health, shooting. I think they respect Willie. You heard after the first practice on Wednesday or Tuesday, you know, you saw the players really bring up, and Brandon Ingram brought it up. Uh, the story I told you guys a while back about how he was getting his shots in, had his music up, Van Gundy walked out, said, I'm having a meeting, turned it down. He, uh, he told him, go have your meeting somewhere else. And that was part of the disconnect. And I know people are listening going, are you serious? If the coach says that and he's having a meeting, I understand that. I do. I'm also telling you, today's player, if that's how they feel that they're getting their work in best, they're the ones that have the guaranteed contract, period. And I don't think it's coincidence that you heard Brandon Ingram after the first practice mentioned, literally, word for word, that there's music playing while the players are getting their work in and Willie Green's more on the side. If he needs to get in, jump in, he does, but he lets their players get their work in. So that clearly was an issue. <laughs> the word energy has been used this week about a thousand times by players, that they feel the energy. There's more energy and all of that. So I don't know if Willie knows the X is a nose, but he was hired to get the most out of these players and get them to want to play together. If he can get that done, they have a shot to compete every night if they play defense. The shooting and all of that, but we'll see against the other talents in, in the Western Conference. But can you get them to want to play together and compete? Because that's how I think the Suns made their run. I think that's how the Bucks won the title. I think that's the easiest path for the Pels to at least be a playing team to steal five, six, seven games, man. On a defensive stop, on a hustle play, on a rebound, on a key possession. If you can just do those things, the rest will come. And then, of course, the all-important elephant in the room that you and I just said. Is Zion ready to take that step? Can he at least start taking um, And we'll see. Gus Cagill, our guest, ESPN 1420. When we come back, we'll get some uh, college football predictions, UL South Alabama, LSU Auburn, and others. Of course, Gus covers the Phoenix. We'll uh, also, of course, talk plenty of Saints 
football. Talk some Pels. We'll talk some Saints college football picks next. It's ESPN 1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. That is Gus Kattengill. Don't go anywhere. That's a record. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show Pro Nola segment this hour. Gus Kattengill on with us from the Crescent City. Gus, before we dig into the Saints, a few predictions for you. UL South Alabama, the Jaguars 3-0. They're feeling confident. They're saying they're not worried about the run game of the Cajuns. The Cajuns, you know, they got a number of injuries right now. Their kicker's out for the season. Their top kicker, they're... Field goal and PAT guy, one of their starting offensive linemen is out for the season, a number of other key guys. They're coming off of a long road trip. South Alabama is well-rested, and yet the Cajuns, 12.5-point favorite. Many feel like they're going to take this thing. What is your prediction for Cajuns-Jags? I think the Cajuns are better tested. Um, I think you said it on our show when you came on Wednesday, and, and – that you couldn't wait to tell me how bad Southern Miss is. Nah, I'm kidding. I know how bad they are. <laughs> so I think, um, I just think the Cajuns are better tested, man, to be honest with you. And I think last week's game was a good way to kind of get this important stretch. I mean, I talked to Coach Napier when he came on our show on Tuesday about that stretch, man, that, you know, you're looking at playing these top, these, you know, tough teams in your conference and then got App State on the on-deck circle and, uh, we can kind of get through this here a little bit. So I think that game against Georgia Southern, that it was a big game. But when you see them win the way they did, defensive two stops there, and special offensive plays, little luck, little uh, kick blocks, mm-hmm. all those different things, special yeah. teams, defense, offense. I think when you can do that, maybe it prepares you for a game like what I think you're going to see this week. So I think the Cajuns win. Good stuff, Gus Kegel, our guest. All right, Gus. Uh, Tulane, Eastern Carolina, the Wave had the heartbreaking loss to open the season against OU. They put a ton of points on an FCS school. They had a ton of points pawed on them by Ole Miss. They lost on a, a tough one to UAB in their their first true hold game last week. Uh, how you feeling about the Greenies right now at 1-3 and three in, uh, in this matchup? Um, and I guess judging by the way Willie Fritz was talking to us on Tuesday, I think this is a, well, who are you game, right? I mean, there's must-win games, which this is. And then they say, well, who are you? I mean, what kind of football team are you? You know, it's great to say that you had the, this is the most talent you've had uh, ever. It's great to, to hear, hey, you know, you want to compete. You want to be the team wins the American Athletic Conference. But at the end of the day, the four games, you've won one. So what what kind of football team are you? Um, the, the Pirates are not the best in the conference. They're not the worst. But at the end of the day, when you've only won one, you can't really say who's, who's good and who's bad, right? You have to show up and you have to show it and you have to prove it. So it, it's a must win. It's a who are you this season. 
kind of game because you lose this one, Scott. Uh, I think bowling is probably out of the question as they're going to have to then run a streak and beat teams that they routinely don't beat. You still have to face some of the tougher teams in the conference. And, and now you're looking at a season that is a disappointment, not, made, not even one that you know, didn't go the way you liked it. it. It would be considered a disappointment. ESPN 1420, Gus, our guest. Gus, LSU, Auburn, 8 p.m., late kickoff, night game, Tiger Stadium. LSU and Auburn have played some wild and memorable games over the years. Auburn is ranked in the top 25 at 22, though they they struggled last week against Georgia State. Uh, We're on the right side of some uh, questionable calls. Uh, They've... LSU got the win of Mississippi State. You know that, you know, all right, Max Johnson can throw it, and, and I guess the defense has improved somewhat since the start of the season, but have they improved enough? They might be facing their old quarterback in Finley, and beyond that, I still, like, I think LSU can improve as a team from the start of the season to the end, except the run game, man. I just, I, they're not showing me anything that makes me think they're suddenly going to get that together. After Auburn, it's Kentucky, and then you have a stretch of Ole Miss, Alabama. No, excuse me, Florida, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Arkansas. I mean, all teams that are three are in the top ten right now, and by the time they play Ole Miss, they might be in there as well. So, sheesh. I mean, yeah, you're looking ahead to to, to the middle of October and into September, but that's just a highlight. Boy, if you lose this game, who knows what the rest of the, the record's going to look like. It feels like... Must win might be too strong for LSU. Someone told me yesterday they think it's a must win for Coach O, but maybe not for LSU, so you could take that for what it is. How are you feeling about this LSU-Auburn matchup? Do you trust them? No, no. I don't know that I would trust no. Auburn either, right? <laughs> it's kind of like last week. I was going to say that. I was, I was really going to say that. I mean, look, I mean, when your quarterback is Bo Picks, as he's referred to, um, but T.J. Finley added – an element of something to it. Now, again, you have a chance to game plan. Again, can he do it through four quarters? Um, so he had that opportunity. Now I understand he's a year older. But he he did start before Max Johnson. So I'm not saying that he can't do it. But even on the play that won the game, he used his legs. So if you can contain him, if you play a defensive state perhaps where – you know, you let him, he, he can't force him to try to beat you in coverage, dropping seven and eight and confuse him and, and force him to have to beat you, beat you with his legs. That's probably how I look at it that way. Um, I, I think Ellis is just, just the void of, I, I think, honest to goodness leadership in, in a lot of different areas. And what I mean by that is just you, you had that game to an extent in that second half, you saw a comeback, but Scott, quite honestly, that game could have gone the other way very easily. Mississippi State in the first half was driving up and down the field, left and right, and turned the ball over so many. And now, you're, you're, if you're a Tiger fan saying, well, LSU created those turnovers, you're right. Some of those throws are awful that, that were picked off. I mean, that, a smarter, better quarterback maybe doesn't do that. And they still could have scored and should have scored. I mean, even if they're field goals at six points, maybe nine I counted maybe even 14 in the first half that could have happened. That game's completely different. So they got the win. Like the Saints, find a way to win, get the win. But at the same time, man, um, I don't trust them. I, I, I could see Auburn winning. So I'd probably go that way. I'm going to go Auburn. 
Gus, let's shift gears now into the Saints. And, and the Pels are, are tied into this as well because before I, I talk about their matchup with the Giants, the stories coming out this week from the Times, Picayune, and others about the succession plan for when Gail Benson passes away, uh, whenever that might be. She's in 74. It appears to be in, in pretty good health. But the Saints are going to um, – uh, I mean, they're they're valued at several billion right now, and by the time she passes away, it'll be more than that. But uh, whenever she passes, the two teams, Saints and Pelicans, long story short, whoever buys them, they do want assurances they stay in New Orleans. But more than that, they're going to take all of the money sold in the two, you know, bil- billions of dollars, and they're going to donate it all to various New Orleans charities, foundations, good causes, and I think that should be the lead here. I know sports fans start playing the what if game, but that's that's amazing, man. I mean, you can't nobody can look at that and say, "Oh, I don't like it." That's that's pretty incredible stuff. I think what got to be good for Saints fans to hear is first and foremost that part of the succession plan is flat out um that you have to stay in New Orleans. I, I like hearing Dennis Rice was saying yesterday, uh, Wednesday, on the interview with the Zurich that he uh, is trying to get the lease longer than the proposed deal that's on the table right now, which is 2035. He likes to tie him in as long as he possibly can because if he says, then that makes sure that the are tied in and makes it harder to relocate. Because look, he can sit there and say, you'd like it to be like this, but unless it's in contract and it's unless it's in writing at the time of purchase, the owners can do whatever the heck they want, right? I mean, you got the story this week that the Bears are looking to leave Soldier Field and the buyout is $86 million to the city. Those guys will cut a check, you know? So you can put stipulations in the contract. Contracts can be broken, unfortunately. So I think hearing Dennis Lauscher say, that is trying to extend the dome lease past 2035. Kind of adds to that as well. And more importantly, again, when the person that owns the team says, per the contract, for my will, they have to stay in New Orleans. Um, and I think it's remarkable to hear that all the money is going to go to different parts of the city, you know, with, with yearly payments. And um, I, I don't know what more you can want, you know, from them. And it's, Quite honestly, it's got a remarkable turnaround from when you and I worked together um, from that ownership group, more yeah. importantly, from Tom Benson. So yeah. that, I mean, again, you know, they were heading to San Antonio. I think I saw over the weekend or something, a game or something, there's, there's a field or a stadium in San Antonio that's called Gale and Tom Benson Field Stadium. So they, they, they have a huge after them. Uh, they were going there, man. They, they were going to San Antonio. So to, to, to be here 20 years later, essentially, and, and to hear the owner say, you want them, great, but you're, you're keeping them here, and the money from that sale is going to go to the community, I, I, I can't think of another instance like that. I can't either. ESPN 1420. You know, it could happen soon. It could happen in like 25 years. So... There's, uh, but but now knowing because that's always been sort of a question. I know that Saints and Pelicans fans have had, you know, what happens when Gail passes, and uh, you know she doesn't have any, uh, you know, 
family members, immediate family members. And uh, I know there's some that think that Benson's daughter and two grandkids will, will try to get back, you know, into the mix through the courts after maybe Gail passes. I don't know. But I, I, that's all just speculation. What we do know as factual is what the succession plan is. And it's noble and it should be applauded. And, and I think it's, I think it's pretty doggone amazing. So let's talk about the Saints, Gus. Uh, week one seemed like the ceiling. Week two seemed like the floor. We both thought in week three it would be closer to the middle. It was, though there are moments in the game where you kind of see them high and low, and then I guess the overall average. But uh, let's talk about that defense, man. Marshawn Lattimore is, he missed week two, but in his two games that he's played, I mean, Pro Football Focus has him as the highest graded cornerback, number one cornerback in the NFL right now. He's out there playing physical with a cast on his broken hand. Um, the guy is, you know, what fourth in sort of passes broken up, six for incompletions, forced by tight coverage, and he's only played two games. His tackling's been good, and they gave him the fat contract, and he's only played two games into it because. I mean, I, I we got I got to tip my cap to Lattimore. He was already the best cornerback in franchise history for the Saints. But when you see a guy get the bag like he did, and still go out and play hurt and play at the high level that he did and has been, that is quarterback was the worrisome spot. And now you got a rookie in a Debo that's playing great. You got a guy in Roby that only played two snaps last week, but you know that he can play. But more than that. You've got one of the best cornerbacks in the game playing for you, and as long as you have Lattimore on the field on defense, you feel like you got a shot. No doubt, and you brought up the uh, play of a Debo. I mean, 100% of the snaps last week, and you know, I thought it was interesting to hear Malcolm Jenkins touch on how he doesn't feel like he has to worry about it, where he's at, where he's going, game plan, defense, scheme, schematic. Lattimore said the same thing about him that he just he handles the stuff and again they, they didn't trust him he wouldn't play literally 100% of the snaps and, you know I guess you had to make that move to strengthen it but Ken Crawley should be coming back in the near future and again Bradley Roby is just sitting there waiting so um, like, like Sean said though this week and I agree I, I do think that depth is not a bad thing. There's going to be injuries. It's a longer season. And, you know, if the depot gets injured, if Lattimore gets injured or needs to step out, being able to fill in these other guys could really help. And look, T.J. Williams has made plays, man. <laughs> so last year when he stepped in, he stepped in this week and, you know, has been making some plays there as well. So it, it's, it, it's crazy to think, but that's the same identity right now. I, I definitely think the defense is leading the way. And I think like Cooper, he said Sunday night on NBC, it doesn't look pretty, Mm-mm. but they're finding a way to win. And like I told you when you called my show on Wednesday, I I said, Scott, I, I just get to the bye, figure it out, and it'll get better once everyone gets back. Michael Thomas, you know, your offensive line. I, I think, Scott, this week, that one of the most underrated, I think, probably things that happened on Wednesday, if you remember, that real clap came off. I remember the Green Bay game after the game. Everyone was like, oh, how did Cesar Reeves do? And Sean Payton, what did he say? Remember, Scott? He said, if Will Clapp was healthy, we would have gone with Will Clapp. So 
I can tell you from talking to people that are a lot better looking at film than me or know what they're looking at, Cesar Reeves has not played very good at all no. at center. No. And so Will Class, if healthy, as he's been this week and playing and practicing, he's your starting center. So that should help. And then you have your right guard back because he was playing well there. So that helps. Obviously, you don't have a left tackle. You throw an armstead a bit. But, again, I think very underrated throughout the league. Ain't probably nobody talking about it. But if Will Clark can come back and play center, that is, I think, a very big thing for the Saints offense. The offensive line, obviously, when you're missing Armstead, when you're missing McCoy, and you've got the receivers that the Saints do, which I wouldn't put up with anyone in the league, certainly maybe unless it's the bottom five, uh, they 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 need the time. They need the help. Sean put a big emphasis on running the football leaning on the defense, right? As as Drew Brees said Sunday night, it looks different. It's not necessarily what, what Sean Payton would thrive on. And yet I, I, I told you this Wednesday too. I, I hear I see folks on social media, I've heard folks talk about, man, Sean Payton's lo- I'm not worried about Sean Payton as a play caller. Sean what Sean has shown is that he knows his personnel. Does he does, has he gotten too cute before? Yes. Has he gotten too petty before? Yes. But look at the times when Breeze was out, the game plan Back when he played, look, the the guy knows his personnel. Sometimes he knows it too well and he gets a little too cocky, but he knows, hey, this is what we need to do to win here. Sunday, you got a Giants team coming to the Dome for the first true home game of the season for the Saints. And the Saints are a seven and a half point betting favorite. That's a lot in the NFL. A Giants team that, you know, Daniel Jones is their leader in in, in running. I mean, he, he's their leading rusher right now. My goodness, Daniel Jones. He's also, you know, their their quarterback, and he's he's turned it over a lot. But I look at the Giants as a team that's struggling quite a bit right now, and they haven't won a game. They've got players that are talented, like a Saquon Barkley, a Kenny Galladay, uh, you know, but all those guys are on the injury report. You know, even when they're playing, they're they're a bit beat up. I mean, Saquon Barkley runs 26 yards against the Broncos. On 10 carries. I mean, he's not – He's for the Saints, unless they're just the, the – I guess the – I said this to you on Wednesday. Being away from home as long as they were, it's amazing they were able to, to, to get to 2-1. and one. But now when you finally get back home and you've been away for over a month and you're getting back to your home for the first time, and in some cases, you know, your family – and I know the guys, some of them had their families with them on the road, but you're sort of getting back to your life and – I, oh, well, they're finally back home. That's going to help a lot. I think, yes, it's it's going to help long-term, obviously, being back and having your roots. But what about this week? Is there a little bit of a letdown? I There's something about this game. Look, it should be a Saints win. They should win by 10. And yet, if we've seen anything through the first three weeks of the season, it's that the Saints are um, hard to <laughs> – it's hard to predict exactly how they're going to come out. And so – you know, from a betting standpoint, I don't feel comfortable betting on the Saints in these games early in the season. From a win-loss standpoint, they should beat the Giants, right? What about this matchup has you nervous, and what about this matchup do you think the Saints are most confident about heading into Sunday's game? I may surprise you, but I'm not nervous at all. I'm actually probably the most confident of the games they've played so far, Scott. And okay. Mainly because I actually do think environment no matter. Um, 
I don't think you can discount the fact that these players were chanting we're going home. I don't think you can discount Callaway on Monday saying he was so happy to be home. I don't think you can discount Jameis. He spoke for 18 minutes. And I'd say six of that was about walking down with his son, having his wife sleep in, taking his wife to dinner on Monday, um, walking around the community, driving around, seeing the trees, seeing the blue tarps, having it hit home, everything that this community has been through, all that other stuff. And, again, I'm just using two players. Everyone talks about it. Sean touched on it. I, I don't think you can discount that Joe Burrow and LSU winning a national championship game was the last time the Dome was sold out. Um, so I think you're going to have juice. You're going to have energy. You're going to have a fan base that is itching just to see their Saints. And I think that defense already playing well is absolutely going to thrive on that environment. I also think, if I mentioned Will Clapp coming back, that's going to help. I also think while the Giants put on a great game with Washington going back to weeks ago on Thursday night, they're, they're a team right now that is struggling to find an identity. Saquon Barkley is not the same as he was before the injury. He's still battling whatever it is that is with his knee and other things. Um, Daniel Jones, that game, had a good game. Daniel Jones can hurt you with his legs. I don't know if he can hurt you with his arms. The receiving core is exactly the best. And as you mentioned already, when we were talking about the defense, the secondary in the corner play, the Saints are now playing very well. So if they can lock down those receivers, it's tee off time uh, when it comes to going and, and going after Daniel Jones. And look, I, I think just listening to James Winston this week, it, it's you're going to see better offensive play. I, I just I had a conversation this week that I wouldn't say opened my eyes, but you have to have good center play. Like I can't stress enough how how poorly Caesar Ruiz is playing and how it just it just disrupts so many things. So if they can just shore that up a bit, um, I think I think you'll see some big plays in this this the city keeps going. I just like I said, I just they're always three for a reason. They lost a very bad Falcon team at home and I don't know what are they going to throw on the Saints defense. The Giants are a good opponent to play. You know, the Saints aren't aren't in a position as a franchise currently to overlook a team, and if they do, they'll get beat. But that's the only way I think they get beat, right? Like, the Giants are just not – they're just a bad team, period. I mean, we don't need to go into X's and O's here or overanalyze it. They're just bad, and the Saints aren't bad. I don't know that they're great, but they're not bad, and they're home. Saints need to win this thing. Seven and a half for a reason – um, I don't bet on the Saints in week-to-week games because that would be too hard on my heart already. But I, uh, I, I don't see how the. I mean, I don't know. Like you said, you're not nervous about anything except you said that. But then you said, okay, maybe the center position. Okay, we'll see. But um, no, 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 no. I, I said I'm not nervous about it because I think the center position will be shored up this week by Will Clapp. Okay. I, I, I'd be shocked if he's not. So, I mean, look, yes, can they lose? They can go out there and start turning the ball over and all that stuff, but. I'm not even worried about that. You know why? James Winston comes out there and throws two picks in the first half. Taysom Hill's going to quarterback. I mean, I and then and then it's going to be an RPO, RPO Palooza. So 
I, I, I just think Sean sees what, what we talked about on Wednesday and what he what we see. Four and one's there, bro. I, I'm not, look, Washington will be tough next week. Their D line, uh, vaya con Dios. Uh, I don't know, Chase Young. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do with that defensive line. It's stupid. So it's going to be tough, but they can win that game. And uh, if they could, uh, worse going three and two, heck of a job. They're going four and one. Man, Sean's going to treat himself to a really nice cowboy cut at Mr. John's Steakhouse, dude, because, yeah, there. So there's very few times that you can look at a game and say, okay, this is a, this is a game we have. We, we can win and we got to go get it. So it's, gotta, it's not just a game that you have, the, the struggles the Giants are having right now on offense. That And, and we've seen when the Saints are capable and they can block – they made plays against Green Bay. We've seen the Saints go out there and win using the run game with Alvin Kamara against a defense, the Patriots, that's pretty good. And you knew it was out there to try and stop Alvin Kamara. Now, listen to James Winston this week. He says, look, I, I, I'm learning how to win games when a coach is telling me to right now. And right now, Sean Payton is like the Denver Bronco game from a year ago. I, I think he is looking at what do we have to do this week. He said it. He actually said it Wednesday morning in his conference call that he's not looking at stats. He's not worried about anything other than what do I specifically need to get this team to do better than the other team, one area, one facet. What do I need to do? And he said, waiting to run the football against the Patriots better than they did. So that, that was it. That was the thing that he circled on the you know, dry racer board per se. So, I think he's looking at it from this game. And the thing that will get you beat this week is turnovers. I mean, you, you give them points, you give them field position, any team in the NFL, you let them in, it can beat you. So you got to go take that with. you gotta, you got to let them know early, today was just a bad day for you, man. You have 75,000 thirsty fans. You have a football team that hasn't been home in a month. They haven't played a home game in front of their fans in almost two years. It's not going to happen today. Go enjoy your 0-4 start. Uh, we're going to have a fun party. I, I just, I, I think that is what they're about to face, man. And I just, I, I, I'm never one of those guys that feels that emotion and energy in home can, can literally up mm-hmm. your ante on, on, say, a betting score. But I, I was there for the Gleason Funds. I was oh. there for other big games. I was there Absolutely. where I, you know, you saw and felt. Uh, you can feel the energy in the dome when you get in, yeah, a good and bad. Exactly. I mean, I remember a loss to Cleveland in 2010. I, you know, the people I was with thought I was dumb. You knew it was dead. I, yeah. I, I walked in there. I said, the Saints are going to lose today. They're, oh, you dumb. They're a 12-point favorite. Like, they're going to lose straight up. You can – you. it's I, – I, people might think we're crazy, Gus, and it doesn't – it's not like every time you walk in you know, right? But there are some days where you just know. It's not an every week thing. But the energy in there is yeah. it's real, man. Gus Cattengale. I would be surprised. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, I would be surprised if we don't see a shot play in that opening series by Make the game. Get up 7 nothing in the dome going nuts. Oh, you watch. Look, I mean, Harris or, or, or a defensive touchdown early? I mean, it's it, forget about it. ESPN fourteen twenty. A shout out Saints special teams, with the exception of Aldrich Rosas. Uh, Will Lutz can't get here soon enough. But from Deontay Harris to JT Gray to. Uh, you know, to Blake Gilligan, Caden to Ellis. what they're doing, Caden Ellis. I mean, they're they're making plays, blocking punts, the works. Zach Bond on special teams, 
Uh, you got to gotta put that in there. ESPN 1420. We got to let Gus go. Host of the Sports Hangover on ESPN Radio in New Orleans, ESPN 100.3, weekdays, noon to 3. He uh, does plenty of other stuff as well. Host of Arkansas Game Day on CST. They're pretty good. Uh, and um, doing just lots of different work. You hear him on all over the state, and he always makes time for us, which we always, always, always appreciate more than we'll ever know. Gus, appreciate it, man. Big thanks for the time. You guys, if you're not following him at GCAT underscore one seven at GKATT underscore one seven, I appreciate it, man. And I, and I appreciate you promoting and supporting that, uh, that wild video of those celebrities, those weird celebrities eating Alvin Kamara cereal. Thanks for doing that. Always a pleasure, man. No problem, man. That was a, that was a good laugh for sure. <laughs> good stuff. All right. Don't go anywhere. Brad Topham's going to join me uh, a little bit next hour. We're going to, Take a look at the uh, Cajuns and LSU matchups on the football field this weekend and Major League Baseball playoffs. A little bit of high school football tonight as well. Then open phone lines. It's all coming your way on a Friday. Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420.